We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. This week's guest is Rocky Lavani. Rocky was shocked to learn most business owners don't look at their financial reports. Most business owners are not accountants and don't want to be. When he realized how much of a problem this was, he knew his purpose was to help business owners be profitable. Rocky is a certified profit first professional. Rocky, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lori, for having me here. I'm excited to have a conversation. I am as well. And when you put uh, that bucket of most business owners don't look at their financial reports, I was definitely in that space where probably the first half of running my business. <laughs> <laughs> and you are not alone. It's it's actually a very, it, it's the majority of business owners, especially small business owners. And I guess I just always assumed that business owners understood the business of business and that's not true. No, it's not. Um, I wish when I was in school for business, I paid more attention to those, the financial accounting classes and the bookkeeping and all, you know, those <laughs> courses that you're supposed to take when you are in business. But I was just more fascinated with the marketing courses because that's what I was going to school for. <laughs> I have an MBA. I have an undergrad in econ. They don't teach you how to run a profitable business. No. You're right. So let's talk about that. Why do business owners struggle to create profitable businesses? Well, because they're not, a. first of all, accountants don't even know how to create profitable businesses, right? Mm -hmm. They know how to do taxes. They know how to put all the transactions where they belong according to a formula that says, you know, this is how we do things. This is generally accepted accounting principles. And so there's really nobody focused on teaching or helping business owners to understand profitability. And that's why I think so many of them struggle. The, the system I use is from Mike Michalowicz. He wrote the book, Profit First. He is a serial entrepreneur. You know, he thought he did it right, sold his companies, walked away with a lot of money and then lost it all you know, the quintessential thing. And it's because he, he he struggled with this just as much as everyone else did. And then he came up with this, this idea of when we look at things, we're given the wrong formula. And if you use the wrong formula, you're going to have the wrong results. So the formula your accountant will tell you is sales minus expenses equals profit. Where is profit in that formula? At the end. At the end, it's a leftover, right? It's something you find out at tax time. You go to your accountant, he goes, congratulations, you're profitable. Here's your tax bill. And the first question is, where is that cash? And they just laugh at you and they go, you spent it, right? Mm -hmm. Mike said, 
that's broken. Let's fix that. And so he said, let's do sales minus profit equals expenses. And so we change the whole way we think about business because we take our profit first up front because your business plan said you were going to be profitable. Well, why not take the profit up front, remove it, and then learn to spend less. And I think too often business owners are told you got to spend money to make money. And that's not necessarily true. Well, I know I definitely lived that philosophy the first few years of my business. <laughs> oh, yeah. So why is the bottom line far more important than the top line? So you've heard this so many times, right? You know, people who've made millions upon millions of dollars and gone bankrupt. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the saying we have is the top line is vanity. The bottom line is sanity, right? And cash flow is reality. And what that basically means is I don't care how much money is coming in. If more money is going out than is coming in, you're never going to win the game. You can't grow your way to profit if it's costing you more than what you're selling it for. And that's why the bottom line is so important. The problem is, and it's kind of where we started this, if if I wanted to know your top line, well, you can go look at your bank account and you go, hey, I had a bunch of sales. Look at all the money that came in. But if I said to you, what's your bottom line? It's very hard to figure that number out. Mm-hmm. You don't really know. All you know is I have money in my bank or I don't have money in my bank. And if you don't have money in the bank, you run out and you get more sales or you do collections. But it, it's really a struggle if you don't know what that bottom line is. And as, as we talked about before, most business owners may not know until their accountant tells them, you know, four months after the year is over. And that's a problem. And that's why you've got to create systems and processes and go in and figure out how much is my bottom line really? And am I appropriately charging for my products? And where is my profit coming from? That's something that even large companies don't have the answer to is where is profit coming from? So if a big company with a CFO and all these big systems can't figure it out easily, it's really hard for the little guy. For sure. (laughs) So what exactly does a certified profit first professional do? So basically what I do is I serve with one simple goal to help you be profitable. The system that Mike created is a cash flow system and it's, are you familiar with Dave Ramsey at all? Have you heard of his financial? Oh yeah, I've, okay. I've read many of his books and I've read Profit First as well and it's still something I'm trying to grasp hold of, um, but yes. So, you know, in Dave Ramsey, he talks about the envelope system, mm-hmm. Yep. right? So you get your money in your paycheck and you put your money where you're going to spend it for rent, for groceries, for utilities. And when that money is used up, well, then you stop spending and you figure out a better way to do it. That principle works all the time. And so what Mike did was use the same principle for businesses. You set up multiple bank accounts, which I know is a little scary up front, But as soon as your revenue comes in, the first thing you do is you put money in your profit account because you're supposed to be profitable. Mm -hmm. 
The second thing you do is you put money in your owner's pay account because you deserve to be compensated for your work and the efforts and the risk you've taken. And then we put money in the tax account because, hey, it's not your money, it's the government. So we set money aside for taxes. Some businesses may have some other accounts for special purposes, and then the rest ends up in your operating expense account. But what's happened is, is because you've covered your big nuts first, when you look at your bank account and that operating account, you know how much you truly have to spend. And so it forces you to be more resourceful. This whole thing is built on Parkinson's law. And what Parkinson's law says is that whatever resources you're given, you'll use them up. So if you have three months to do a project, it'll take you three months. If you've got three hours to do a project, you'll find a way to get it done in three hours. If you've got a $100,000 budget to do something, you know, within your business, you'll spend 100000 But if you've got a $10,000 budget to do something, you'll figure out a way to get it for $10,000. Sure. And by separating the money and giving it a job and putting it in smaller piles, you learn to be more resourceful. You don't spend as much. You And what I do is I kind of create accountability. I help by looking at the actual financial reports and then bringing to light where revenue's coming from, whether it's properly priced. In other words, I have customers and you go down and you look into their accounts and you're like, you do realize you just put that item on sale and you discounted it and you sold it for less than what your actual costs are. You actually lost money this weekend by doing that sale. I know you needed to get revenue in, but this is a problem. And so somebody's got to go in and figure that out. And that's basically what I do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's easy to see. Sometimes it's more difficult. So for example, I have one customer that I looked at. He has two different service lines. His one service line is good. It provides a reasonable living, a lot of work, and it's okay. Here's another service line that's seasonal. That seasonal service line just puts so much money to his profit. It's, it's incredible because he's got so much margin in that business. I said to him, stop focusing on this service line that's doing okay, put your efforts where your most of your money is coming from. You can work a fraction of the time and make a lot more money by redirecting your efforts. Oh, got me tingling all over. <laughs> um, this is definitely not my area of expertise and more the, the creative than the analytical type person, but um you spoke about helping someone in the service space. Do you also support uh, the product space as well? I do. I All businesses are essentially the same. Sure. It's just you've got nuances to how you do things and how you label things. And so I support businesses, whether they're service-based, product-based. And actually, because you just said it, one of the areas – and that the people that I can help the most are creatives. And the reason why is creatives don't like looking at numbers. It's not their wheelhouse. They're great at what they do, but having to look at numbers when you talk to them, they're like, I would rather curl into the fetal position and cry. Mm -hmm. That's how they feel, right? 
And so those are the kinds of people that I serve best because now you have somebody taking that heavy load off of you and just coming to you and saying, hey, Lori, I know you do all these services. Did you know that these three put the most money in your pocket? And I mean, to the bottom line, do you want to maybe shift the focus of your business and, and highlight those services to your customers? Because your life will be a lot easier and you'll have more money and you can take time off and go on vacation and reap the rewards of your business. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So do you work alongside bookkeepers and accountants or are you kind of in competition with them? How does that play out? I am not in competition with anybody. (laughs) Um, I work with whoever your bookkeeper is and whoever your accountant is because your bookkeepers are putting the transactions in. So they're in the weeds. And one of the things I do is a second set of eyes on your bookkeeper to help make sure that they're doing things appropriately. The accountants are mostly doing taxes. And so that's fine. What I'll do is I will help you put money aside for taxes. So I'll tell you the story of Mike, because this is a phenomenal story. Mike was in the recruiting business and he had a blowout year. He had so many placements that year and his revenue went through the roof. Well, the tax accountant based his quarterlies on the previous year. So tax time comes around and she's like, hesitant to call him because there's this massive tax bill. She finally calls him and says, hey, I've been dreading this call. You owe a lot of money. And he said, I know my sales have been up. I expected this. I know that's the case. He's like, "How, how bad is it? She said, it's almost six figures. And he said, oh, all right, I'll drop off checks tomorrow. And she's like, I've never, ever had anyone tell me that in over 20 years. Sure. And he was using profit first. So he was putting his tax money aside and it was ready for him. And I've heard that story from practically every person that implements profit first. Tax time is, it's no longer a season of angst and worry. They're like, I hate taxes, but whatever that bill is, I know I'm ready for it and I can strike a check. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, You can definitely do a lot to help a number of business owners then, obviously. Let's talk about um, something not so heavy. (laughs) For you, for me, it is. And we're going to figure, watch this. (laughs) This is what lights up your world, obviously. Um, But let's talk about networking Um, because, I mean, really business is all about relationships and that's how, regardless of what it is you're selling, you've you've got to sell it to another person and you find new people by creating relationships. So, um, Rocky, can you share with our listeners one of your favorite uh, networking experiences that you've had? So, you know how you felt about money? (laughs) This is how I feel about networking. Okay. I've, I've, I, but I will tell you this because I realize the importance of it. I've probably spent the last eight, nine years working on this skill Mm -hmm. from taking courses in social capital to reading books about networking to, to learning how to do this. And so I just want to encourage the people listening. If, if this isn't something you enjoy doing, you know, it's just a matter of practice. And now I've come to learn how to to do that. I think 
you know, one of the things that COVID did for me is overnight, I was doing all this in-person networking and overnight, all my in-person networking got canceled. Mm -hmm. And essentially we went to the online world. And I've got to tell you, I have found online networking to be much easier and much more enjoyable and a much more diverse group of people that I get to meet than I was meeting in my local networking meetups. And there are so many online groups that I have found, like, and, and one gets me to the next, gets me to the next. And that's how we met, right? We met through a networking group that you had started in the middle of COVID. I think, well, at least it yeah. was new to me. Well, it was new. I was just kind of, I was jumping into networking groups, similar to what you're talking about, because I realized everyone was opening up everything. You know, it wasn't just your local communities. It's like, Hey, there's this thing going on. I'm at whatever time jump on the zoom call. So I decided to start my own as well and just see, you know, uh, specifically for business owners. And it was, um, pretty, I mean, I opened it up globally and, um, I guess what I realized was time of day is important. <laughs> um, cause we got heavy Midwest and East coast, um, engagement for the morning, obviously. But yeah, that's been really fascinating. Um, I would agree with you that that virtual has been something that has opened up the world on a totally different level, the virtual networking. And it has. And, you know, I think, I don't know how long, well, since March. So this is now seven months later. I don't think in a non-COVID world that would we would have never met. And the quickness that the group came together and was willing to help, I think that was the other thing that I've noticed is online networking, the speed of networking and the building the trust has gotten faster and faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, and but I, the current times are really everyone wants to help and be a resource. And I think that's what it's all about right now. You know, so um, vir virtual has made it easy to connect with people all over and be a resource and help others all over. So Rocky, as you continue to build and grow your network, how do you stay in front of and nurture these individuals that you're connecting with? And so that's been another struggle for me, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because you get like, I have one of these CRMs and it gets overwhelming. There's all these people in there. I can't find the people that I want. Um, so I've learned a couple things. Number one, I've learned to take much better notes. And I use Evernote. And what I do is I have a whole folder that's called meetups. And whenever I go to a meetup, as people are talking and networking, I'm just putting my names and notes as I'm listening. Mm -hmm. And that's searchable. So if somebody emails me three weeks from now, I'm like, wait, how, who? I go to my Evernote, I search, I find the note, and then I go, oh, okay, this was this, this. Now I remember everything. Um, I'm kind of just basic. I, you know, I'm a, a spreadsheet geek. And so I have found it's just easier for me to create a spreadsheet of the people that I want to kind of nurture and keep track of. 
And so I just put, you know, date, name, some really basic stuff and maybe a follow-up date to it. And then the other thing I do is if I know that I need to specifically follow up, so let's just say that we met and and you said to me, hey, let's chat in three weeks. What I will do is I'll go right into my calendar immediately and I will create a task three weeks out that says email Lori and I might put one sentence there about to remind myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of different levels for different people, Mm -hmm. but I'm still struggling with how to do a better job of nurturing all the relationships. I think what I need to do is I probably need to create a bigger block of time for me to sit once a week and just go through the list and at least pick a handful of people and send an email or some of it I'm good. Like if they're, if they're good on LinkedIn, then I tend to be more social on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Facebook has got its algorithm, so they don't show you anything. So that's not helpful. Yep, yep. LinkedIn seems to be much better for that. I am not an Instagram fan. It's like, it's not my place. Mm-hmm. So I stay away from it. Um. Yeah, those are kind of the main things that I do. And then the other thing I find is if if there are people who are at events that are somewhat regular, then that creates that natural rhythm as well. And yeah. if I meet somebody maybe at three events over three months and we haven't connected for a one-on-one, I'll just, I'll reach out and say, hey, let's do a one-on-one. I find having an automated calendar is a godsend. Um, when I left corporate and I was able to turn on my automated calendar, it made my life 10x easier. <laughs> are, you, are you using like a Calendly scheduling tool or something like that? Yeah, you- I use oh. Book Like a Boss just because okay. I, I had had that. Mm-hmm. I think my problem before was I had a work calendar, a home calendar, a kid calendar, and they weren't integrating well. Um And then once I got rid of the work calendar and it was just my kind of whole big thing, then I just set up the system. I created all my my different kinds of links. So I have different kinds of appointments depending on what it is. And then when I send an email, I'm like, hey, it was great meeting you the other day. Love to chat. If you're up for a chat, here's my calendar link or send me yours. Yeah. And the funny thing is people just started booking. Like before they would ignore the email because it was kind of like, yeah, maybe I'll respond. Maybe I won't respond. Or you'd go five emails and then you'd forget. And with the link, it just seems people are more apt to say, yeah, let's meet. Click and off you go. Yeah, I love the calendar scheduling tools that are out there now. It just makes it saves so much time, makes everyone's life so much easier. but you have to restrict your calendar. So that's the other thing. Oh, I do. yeah. <laughs> My <laughs> calendar has blocks of when I'm open so that it doesn't overwhelm me. 100%. So I want to go back to, um, I guess I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of pointers here. It sounds like what you're trying to do when you're nurturing is very much a one-to-one communication um, without, with the exception of some social media activity. But I think that there are there is opportunity to to do more than the one-to-one outreach, to 
to nurture your network. Um, but I like the idea of, um, you know, if you're in the same groups or events together, then, and you realize, Hey, I've seen this, this face on the screen three or four times now in the last month, maybe I should do a one-on-one with them, um, to start building that relationship, but, uh, nurturing, the other thing I'd comment on that, I think, is really to understand what is the goal that you're trying to achieve at the end of the day, because um, you don't need to nurture everyone that's in your network. And I don't like the people that I put on that Excel spreadsheet are the ones that I want to be more intentional with. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's a thousand plus in the in the CRM, but there's only many, many less on the spreadsheet. And then the spreadsheet's color coded. So people that I really want to nurture, they have a color, like their block is colored. So I can go down the list and see kind of where they fit in that. And then the other thing that's kind of been helpful for me is the podcast. So people get to know me without me having to spend hours talking to everybody. Sure. <laughs> no, I, I'll admit um, that as well. It's kind of fun to to be hosting a show um, because you do you end up with a, a number of listeners, and that's you nurturing that network. You're adding value. You're connecting. You're providing resources, um, and that's that one to many approach. So I think that's a great tool to really maximize um, your, getting your message out there. And the podcast has been really good about I, I actually get people who show up on my calendar that I've never met that are not part of any direct connection of mine. So they'll so somebody would hear me here today and if they like what they have, they would come and they'd listen to my podcast. And three months from now, after you know being in their head for 20 hours, they're like, I want to talk to him and they show up on my calendar. And it's it's been interesting to watch that and it's been a lot of fun because it fits my personality like like I said before I don't I'm not going to be on Instagram it's not me being on podcasts is me and so it it works I love it I think that's great what advice would you offer the business professional who's looking to grow their network so I have been told that the purpose of networking is to serve and just go out and serve. Like if you want to grow your network, go out and see how you can help people. And of course, you've got to do it in an appropriate way so that you're not, you have to manage your time. But I, I think that's a big part of it is, is go out and serve and help others. Because if you help them achieve their goals, they're going to help you achieve yours. Oh, I love that. Definitely. Giving first. Yeah, it's all about giving first. That's the whole way I do stuff. It's it's all give first. You know, everything that I do for my customers and clients, I teach on my podcast. So I don't hold any secrets back. I just go, here's how to do everything. But at the end of the day, there are people who say, I don't want to learn it all, or I want it done for me, or... You know, they, everyone's got the things they love doing. Sure. Go spend the time doing the things you love doing and just put somebody on your team to deal with the stuff you hate 
yeah. life gets easier. <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that. As long as there's profitability, right? <laughs> as long as there's profitability. And I've even seen people, I've seen a lot of higher level executives who struggle with networking, struggle with names and all of that. And you will notice that they're smart enough to put somebody on their wing who's literally whispering in their ear. This is so-and-so. This is what you need to say. This is this. Don't forget that. And then literally they've got that person right next to them, helping them do their networking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I've, I've been nope. in those situations actually where I've had my team give me the details about the person so that I can put my best foot forward in that situation. But that's, um, as much as I love networking, I'm terrible at remembering people's names. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Um, I know there's tricks for that, but, um, <laughs> zoom is awesome. You know why their names right there. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent agree. Um, definitely is a little frustrating when someone just has a bunch of random characters there that aren't really doing a good job telling me <laughs> what your name is, but, um, yeah, I love it. Okay, here's a fun one, Rocky. If you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? So it, that's a long way back. <laughs> <laughs> the world has changed dramatically since then. I think there were a lot of things that I just didn't understand back then. So one was this whole networking and relationship thing. It, it was not something that I understood and it wasn't something that I worked on. And it, it was also a different world in the sense that there was no internet. So it was hard to keep in touch with people. You'd actually have to pick up the phone and call them. And if they move, they got a new phone number. And if nobody sent you an, a letter in the mail, <laughs> I, you lost connection, right? Yep. So I think just going back and telling myself to understand that. The other thing is I didn't understand what my super skills were. Like I didn't know what my superpowers were. I've been playing with spreadsheets since I'm, I was in high school. So back then it was VisiCalc. And I was going into Fortune 500 companies going, hey, accountants, here's how you get off of a paper ledger and you use an electronic spreadsheet. I always thought I was going to create a business around spreadsheets, but I didn't know how. And the power of spreadsheets now, I mean, it's a billion, trillion dollar business because nobody can figure out the numbers. And if you understand spreadsheets and you can see the stories that the numbers are telling you, that's just, it's very valuable. And now I'm finally in the place where I figured that out and that's why I do what I do. Um, so those are probably the two things. Figure out your super skills and then learn how to network and build social capital. And it's okay if you don't know how to do stuff, go ask. People will help you. I grew up in the area of you never ask for help. You you do it all. You know, it was the John Wayne, you know, the, the lone gun kind of mm. time frame. So a lot of personal development to, to move out of that and get a little bit smarter. Nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly when it flipped for me, but at some point in my life, I realized I can just ask the question and I'll get the answer instead of trying to 
figure out where to look for the answer and what the answer is all on my own. That's very true. Okay, Rocky. So we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Who would be the one person that you'd love to connect with? And do you think you can do it within the sixth degree? Um, I would love to, to interview Tim Ferriss. Okay. Cause he's an interesting guy. He's a little nuts. Um, <laughs> but I love to learn how to do things. And he's also kind of a thinker like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like I met people who, who are friends with Tim Ferriss. <laughs> so I know I'm not that far away. Like I know I'm, I've got multiple people that I'm probably one degree of separation away, whether or not they'd listen to him or he'd entertain my ideas, a whole nother uh, reality. But I do know people in the circle. So what's holding you back from reaching out? Um, honestly, I'm just assuming he wouldn't do it. That's probably all. It's my own mindset, right? It's me holding myself back. I don't know that he even does that many podcast interviews on other podcasts. Don't know till you try. You don't know till you try. That is very true. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things that it would be fun, but at the same point, it's like, eh, it's nice, but it's, I don't know. <laughs> well, I might need to start uh Egging you on about this, <laughs> to, to to take the leap and and move forward and try. Yeah, I guess I'd have to think about it. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I think it would be an interesting conversation, but at the same point, yeah, I don't know. I struggle with it. Hmm. Maybe someday it'll happen when the timing's right. Sure, exactly when the timing's right. So um, I'm going to give you an opportunity to interview me. What's something that you would like to ask me? So you're in this whole digital marketing space. And I got to tell you, social media becomes overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) For the business owner who who says, okay, I've got limited time, right? I I don't want to learn all these platforms. What is the best... B2B platform and what's the best way to engage with a minimal of time and effort? The proper answer is it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, B2B is broad and really you need to figure out where is your ideal customer hanging out. Um, high level, broad answer. LinkedIn is extremely powerful place to be right now. Um, it, you have to- it is. Hang on, because I'm going to interject here, because sure. that's what I've always been told. Uh-huh. And I went and looked at my last two clients, and you know what I found? They had less than 100 connections and no picture. Interesting. <laughs> and. I think the reason why is the size of customer that I'm focused on, they're not using LinkedIn for hiring, mm-hmm. right? They're too small. They've got their head down and they're doing their business and they don't even have the time to think about social media. Sure. 
on a personal level. So I don't know, but yeah. So, but I still think LinkedIn's the place. So again, it goes to where is your target ideal customer hanging out? You know, if they're in the weeds of their business, they're, they're getting information somewhere, whether it's listening to podcasts or subscribing to newsletters or listening to the AM radio on their commute to work, who knows where it is, but the better you understand that customer, the better that you can position where your message needs to be heard. And so those two actually came through a podcast. Okay. So maybe that's where I, and that's what I've started to shift my focus to more Mm -hmm. is being on more podcasts. Yeah, I think that's a great strategy. Um, I wouldn't necessarily give up on LinkedIn. I mean, the idea is to maximize the reach of your message. So your show plus being interviewed on other people's shows and creating awareness that these shows exist by leveraging all these social channels is where you're going to really grow. I mean, how did someone hear about the podcast? You know, they, they heard it on social media or newsletter or from a friend, you know, they, or they were just um, perusing through the, the, you know, playlist or, um, the library, the podcast libraries, you know, and figured out I'm going to randomly subscribe to this show. So somewhere awareness was created. Yeah. And even that's because I asked specifically and they weren't sure where they originally found me from. (laughs) I think it's frustrating. You mean you can't remember the moment you heard my... Right. (laughs) Well, and that's, that's a forever challenge with marketing is, you know, really proving ROI on an investment of, of some sort. So if you're saying, Oh yeah, I've been on LinkedIn. Well, maybe you were interviewed on somebody's show and they heard you once and they were like, Oh, that was interesting. And then they saw you on social media or someone tagged you in a post and then they decided to follow you um, and subscribe to your show because they remember hearing your name and then they actually listened to a show and then you had a call to action embedded in your show, which they took action on. So yeah, they heard your show, but how, where was that initial, you know, where do you put the attribution to that initial awareness point and what triggered them to actually take action? Was it that last touch or was it because they've heard your name, you know, a dozen times over the last three months? And I'm not sure. I asked, but you don't always get to know. So I just keep doing it all. (laughs) Well, going back to the conversation with uh, the CRM system, those tools can measure some of those activities and help tell that story a little bit better. Yeah, and I've heard of some of those things. Again, it's something I probably have to dive into. You know, it just, it all becomes overwhelming. (laughs) That's all. So like much to do. <laughs> See, this is how, like, this is how, like, other people feel about money. To me, that's the easy part. <laughs> the social media part, overwhelm. Uh, the money part, easy. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit it's overwhelming. There's new channels constantly popping up, and 
you know, your attention is being drawn all over the place. And, um, you know, each channel has its groups and segments and everyone's creating their own little buckets for you to join. And that's definitely overwhelming. You just got to be strategic with where you're putting your time. And that's why it's important to know where your customer is hanging out. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some more research in that and talk to them and... I'm still working through that. It takes time, but it it is a focus of mine to at least pay attention to that and constantly ask. Sure. It's a good question to ask. I think everyone should be asking any new customers or any new inquiries. How did you hear about us? So do you you usually get direct answers or is it usually vague? It's been both. Okay. I find when I'm, speaking at an event, it's a lot easier for someone to say, oh, I heard you speak at this event. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if someone says, oh, Google, you know, well, that doesn't help me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, yeah. And, you know, I, what's interesting, I've heard a number of times like, oh, I've heard your name brought up a number of times. Okay. Well, at what point did you decide to take action on that? <laughs> How many times did you have to hear my name before you said, maybe it's time I call her? Um, so that's that's what's fun about uh, marketing and brand awareness. You know, people need to know who you are before they have any level of interest in, in learning more about you. And that's what I find that the podcast is done is that people get to know me. Mm-hmm. And so when they show up, it's not a sales call anymore. Like the sales are already done. They're ready to buy. And so the podcast has done all the work. That's awesome. I love that. And, and I think there's a lot of different ways to do that. And we're, we're kind of going off on a big tangent, but it's a fun conversation. I can talk <laughs> about this stuff for hours, just like you can talk about spreadsheets for hours. So cut me off whenever you want. I mean, even though it's my show, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I, it's all about thought leadership. You know, there's blogs, there's webinars, there's videos, social media, podcasts, in-person events, which, you know, aren't necessarily happening as frequently right now, but it's a, a platform to get your voice heard, your message conveyed. Any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Just go out and and remember you have two ears and one mouth. So listen more than you speak. Yeah, it's a good one. Great. Um, Rocky, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way that they can reach you? Uh, Direct email is fine. So it's Rocky at ProfitComesFirst.com. And then if they want, they can always just listen to the Profit Answer Man podcast and we'll go more into the money side. Love it. We'll include all that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today, Rocky. Lori, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast to have this conversation.
Most definitely. All right. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Rocky for taking the time to connect with us. If you want to continue the conversation on networking and building your community, join our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com and search for Social Capital Network. If you need me, send an email to Lori at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.